Hey, everybody. Welcome to Way, Way Off, Off Broadway. I'm Tyler, and our special guest today is Rush Slocum. Rush, you're about to release a new album this summer. How excited are you? I'm very excited. And it's hot outside, and you'd think you'd expect like a super happy album, but it's a pretty it's a depressing album. I said it's it's the type of album that you want to jump up and down and cry to, which is a, a funny mix in between. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the chance to listen to two two new singles that are coming off of it. Uh, I wish I could love you, and singing in the shower. Both of them, they're very different stylized songs. One's yes. very digital, and the other one is just a really good jam. Let me ask you this: Is it you that you wish you could love? Or is it something else? Because I think it's a little bit of everything. It's okay. So you can take this as you will. We're, we're making a music video for it right now that we're going to shoot this weekend. And it will be out when the song comes out. It's going to come out the day that the song comes out as a single. And the I wish I could love you can be interpreted a couple ways. I wrote it from the perspective of like, I wish I could love myself. Like, I wish there was a little bit of self-love there. I, we both know Jaden. I don't know if you've had Jaden on the show. Uh, no, but I, I love Jaden. Great. She'd be an amazing guest. I, she's an amazing uh, dancer and actress, and I, I'm asking her to help me. She's choreographing this, this thing, and she's going to be the main character in it for I Wish I Could Love You's music video. And it's a dance music video. I, I had talked to her through a story, and we had talked about what we thought this song could be. And we ended up on the idea of like a kind of a verbally abusive, slightly physically abusive relationship. And what it feels like to be in one of those relationships and wishing that you could get out of get out of it and wishing the person was what you're imagining them as and so this the music video for that is is exactly about that uh and it's going to be the dichotomy between what she imagines her boyfriend as and what he really is and then hopefully by the end of it she breaks out of that and i'm super hyped for that music video to come out because it's the dance is amazing the first time i heard it i immediately thought of oh man this boy falls in love easy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you found me yeah, you found I mean, me i'm here <laughs> but then, but then uh, i probably like this the eighth or ninth listen to it i was like oh this boy doesn't love himself oh it's so clear <laughs> you're, you're, um, i'm wow i'm flattered it, it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. very relatable though it's it's uh, yeah a lot of the album deals with insecurity and stuff like that a lot of your music going back to uh, 2018 your first album ep night sky project themes of love pop in frequently 2020 on the album 143 themes of love pop in frequently yes i am a lover i i am i have a lot to give see those two projects each project's had a goal you had talked a little bit about noticing a jump in this music it's a little bit different i i have a goal for each project that i'm releasing my night sky project i released right out of high school my goal for that album was just to get music out, get something out that my friends can listen to or that I can listen to, like just get something. And then whenever I was approaching working on 143, it was a little later. And my goal was like, I'd like to be like better and I think I can. So let me try to be good for a guy, you know, like I'd like to if my friends listen to it, I'd like to be good for a guy, you know. And then for this project, my whole goal has to been to be comparable with other indie artists. And I think that I've I've reached that on every level. Uh, and this is finally like, it's a professional project and I really want to see where it goes. It's I'm so hyped. I was very impressed. I think I would expect that in any of my Spotify made for you mixes that I hear it, I like it, 
I'm going to go back and listen to it again. And I'm probably going to save that, that it's probably going to go into the songs of, I'm going to listen to this again because it just, it fits such a perfect mood Mm -hmm. from, from the first two albums, the production quality. I know, I think we talked about it. You were excited to add live drum tracking. Yes. It was a big jump for this one. It's so much more complex and layered. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, isn't it amazing that, 20 what 2023 and and you can yeah. make all of this uh from the room yeah in my room now. yeah look at me i'm how in cool a room is that? all of the all like i i think you'd be surprised how much of the stuff that sounds like oh my god like that sounds so cool it's a bunch of random tiny things in my room that i've been hitting like i just hit i've used almost every sound that i can make out of this room from hitting the wall to hitting a microphone on something to like Yes, every sound is in that album that I can make in this room, pretty much. It's it's just like I've been using everything I can. Now, let's talk about songwriting. Is, is the producing as much fun as the composing to you? I am a lyric guy. So if it was up to me, I'd just be writing poems. <laughs> like, But I like songs, so I want it to be songs. I wish I had a producer that could help. But I, like for me, it's been write the lyrics. And down to my first, pretty much my first and second project... I think that the lyric writing has been kind of the same. I mean, there's some cringy stuff in my older music that you're like, eh, that line or whatever. But that's like my own perspective as an artist. The lyrics have always been, in my opinion, good. But the, the production is what's increased. So I've just been working really hard doing reps on like learning new stuff about my instruments and how to play them so that my production can be as good as my lyrics. I don't enjoy production as much as I enjoy lyrics. It feels a little harder to me to do all of that. But when I get it and it all goes together, it makes my lyrics so much more impactful. Yeah, I think I think it's lyrics over everything for me personally. <laughs> do you kind of mentally pin a melody into something after you write it? Often I start on the piano. I play something that I think might have something in it. And then I try to write the lyrics based off of how the piano makes me feel. And then after that, I should have an idea for a song so if i'm if i'm writing something on the piano i'll be like oh this feels like a breakup or this feels like something and then i'll try to write that and then once i have kind of a chorus i'll add maybe the drums and then i'll add so it all starts bare bones with piano and then lyrics and then i add everything else are you writing primarily from personal perspective or are you taking a a lot of liberty and just whatever you are feeling whatever that mood is taking you to you develop a story into it it's mostly just feeling it's mostly just feeling and i don't even it doesn't even have to be a feeling i know i have a song that you haven't heard yet called last time on the album and this is a strong feeling i know i had heard uh it's called last time it's about you know like what if this is the last time x happens i i had heard about a a car crash that had happened on first avenue like there was apparently a full family that had passed away in this horrific car crash in town in evansville here in indiana I heard about this and I was just so sad and I started writing on the piano this like really sad sounding piano part which it sounds like this um. you kind of hear that how it's kind of sad and I kept repeating that over and over just kind of asking is this the last time is this the last time I ever see my friend or my dad or my brother or my family it really got to me. And then I rec- write, wrote the whole song and I lightly recorded it. And then the day I went to record the vocals, 
I found out that someone I went to high school had passed away in a car crash. I sang the vocals right then, and it was an early take of the vocals, but I kept that take on the album because it was so much like raw emotion. It was not someone I was extremely close with, but it, it was one of those moments where you just realize that life's finite and that there's so many people you love and you just don't want to, you don't want to let it all go yet. <laughs> and uh, that song for me is like very personal. And that's an example of like a moment where I was just, I had to write that song right then. And then I had to record it right then. Some of them are extremely personal and some of them are more abstract. It just depends on the song. Do you prefer when you have a song from concept to rough draft immediately? Or do you like the slow burn of idea here, idea here, and then over months or weeks, it finally comes together? Uh, I have to say, I do love it when it just works. And those end up being most of my best songs. Yeah. If if I just if you're writing a song and it just flows out of you, that song needed to be written at that time. And whether or not you wrote it, someone else was going to write it like that. If you if if an idea just comes and it comes in its entirety, that's a great idea. I I stand by that fully. If you have to sit there and write every line out, it might be technically super proficient. Like you may be able to get a lot of words to rhyme inside of it. That's really interesting. I think if it can just flow out of you, then it, it, you really mean it. So I try to do that as much as I can. How many songs did it make the cut where you just started writing and then it just fell apart? I don't know if you could see this, but I have I have this list on the side here. So this is probably you can't see it if you uh, th- this is probably 25 songs that I've written for this album. Oh. My Google Home just died. I, I lost. I wrote about 25, 30 songs for this album, and only 10 of them are on the album. So I have been pretty... I've slaughtered a lot of songs in the process of making this album. Uh, some of them because I wrote a first verse and a chorus, and I just couldn't get the second verse to be as good as the first verse or to finish it. Some of them just weren't just weren't good enough or some of them were too similar to other songs of mine that I just didn't want to repeat myself. Different reasons for every single one. Is it hard to cut your babies? Yes, but it's also hard to finish them. If one of them is sitting there, like specifically one of them that I think I'll finish sometime in the future, I really want a stringed orchestra to play that song and I don't want to ruin that song by just releasing it too early. That's a song that I just want to work on and have done really professionally really well and i don't want to take that song from its full potential now most of the songs of the new album have you done all of the playing okay so i wrote all of the parts like uh, so when i wrote all the songs i i tracked drums a rudimentary version of the drums and then uh for the actual recording that's on the album most of the drums were done by joe mays who is a drummer in town in evansville amazing drummer he tracked nine out of the 10 songs. I played a song called Mirror, uh, which is a very close song to me. And it's an amazing song. One of the best songs on the album. Mirror, I played the drums for, and I played everything on Mirror. The rest of them, a lot of them, the drums were done by uh, Joe. And then there's two songs that, you know, Chad, the bass player, Chad. Well, he's, he, is, um, he has done the bass for two songs, uh, but the rest of it's all me. As a quick side note, I think a big shout out to Simone Getz for the uh, wall calendar to your left. Oh my God, you know about that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She is so awesome. I love her. Yes, I, I needed that whenever I found out about it. 
I'm so glad you know about that. <laughs> it's like your, your habit tracker. Yes, it's it's that exactly. And I, as you can see, I'm not very successful with my habits. I have <laughs> very, very sporadic, but at least I know. But you can you know? see it. Like that's, that's half the battle, right? <laughs> yes, it is. What are you going to do once the album is released? What is the... Is there any plan to do live shows? To How are you promoting it? I have a really big album release show planned for June 30th at uh, Stage 2. I, I want to max it out and just fill the place up. I think uh, they said 250 people, so I want to I sell 250 tickets. I, I think that our live show is going to be one of the best local live shows you can see. And we aren't going to play it like it's just a gig. We're going to make it a show. There's going to there's a storyline. There's a whole narrative arc. You're going to get to hear all of the songs that were on the album and maybe uh, a cover or two and maybe some stuff that uh, was on earlier projects mashed together. I don't intend on slacking on our live shows. Our live shows, I'm going to give everything I possibly can. And it's the type of thing you just have to come and see. I'm just going to put so much work into it. I've been working on it for the past six months and we're just going to keep working for the next couple months until it's the day that it comes out all for one night. I'm just going to blow people's minds and we're going to record it uh, from every single angle I can. And then we're going to release the full version of the live show online uh, awesome. once we're done because I don't have, I don't have the ability yet as a performer I, and I don't have enough track record to, to set up a full uh, like nationwide tour. Although that's something I plan on doing in the future. But right now it's just one big show recorded so that everyone who wants to see it can see it. Uh, but I suggest you be in the room if you can. It's June 30th, June 16th. The album comes out and June 30th, the album release shows. So it's two weeks, give people two weeks to listen to the music before, uh, I, uh, blow their minds. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Right. And if you're listening to this after June 30th, go find the video online because it's probably amazing. Not to hype myself up. <laughs> no, you have to hype yourself up. I mean, I, okay, so I'm one of those people who I post an Instagram photo and I'm, I like it. Like, you have to like your own stuff. <laughs> I feel that so hard. And the I, only I reason that. I like it is because it's the only like that I will get. No, 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 no. <laughs> Re releasing art is so cathartic because, like you said, for your first album, you got it out there. Second yeah. album, you got it out there. Third album, mm -hmm. you've got it out there. And each time you do it, you raise the bar. And for me, at least, once it's out, I know so many things that I wish I would have done differently that I didn't know until that moment I pressed upload. It's, yeah. it's a very weird feeling, but putting your art out there is, it's what living's about, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. I don't know if you know or um, know much about music, but there's a thing in music making called mixing and mastering, which if you're doing photo editing is basically like editing your photos, like color, vibrance, anything that you want to do to edit it. Mixing and mastering, I, did, I didn't I did mix or master Night Sky Project, which was my first album or project in um, 2018. And on my second, my, on 143, I, I paid someone a hundred bucks to do it <laughs> for the album, which is very cheap. Uh, in the world of mixing and mastering. And on this project, I got it professionally mixed by a, a guy named Mario Borgata, which apparently helped mix uh, one of the drone, the drone album by Muse, if you've ever heard of that. Okay. Um, to master it, I got a, a world-class master named Chris Geringer. 
who's like done the last he's done the Lizzo record, the Torno Pilots record, Harry Styles record. Like he's top notch mastering engineer. And I am the product that came back. I just wanted to see what it would be like if I if I tried to get it mixed and mastered professionally. And it it put a level of professional polish on all the records or on the songs that I just could not have done myself and that I thank them for entirely. So that's another thing that when it comes to finishing these songs that I did not have a handle on, it's like, that's somebody else. It's, it doesn't have to do with the composition, but it's like a top gloss layer over the whole thing after I finished it. They did an amazing job. From the two I heard, they were great. You can just tell that it, it, was, it was done with love and care. So this is the way, way off, off Broadway show. Way, way, way off Broadway. Yeah. Way, way, way off Broadway show. What do you think has been your best show so far? Personally, the one with Maddie. It was the Maddie? first. Yeah, it was the first one me, Sydney and Maddie did. We did it live in person with Maddie in the room. We can do this. Okay. Check mark. Uh, yeah. The most fun was the rent catch up with yes. Kale and Cody. Just because mm-hmm. rent means so much to me in my my theater life uh, and music life, I guess, to a degree that it's always going. If, if I have a chance to be in a part of anything with rent, I'm going to do it, which is actually where me and you met when you were playing drums yes. for rent. My favorite episode is the next one. My favorite photo yeah. is the next one. It's always mm-hmm. trying to level it up critique i mean you're going to be your biggest own critic hopefully you're never going to be perfect but man you got to try you've got to try you got to try you got to try uh, i feel like there's a lot of parallels between photography and music there are there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels between any creative pursuit that's difficult i mean i've i've li- learned a lot about comedians and there's so much similar between comedians and musicians and same thing with photography it's like the idea of just working at your craft and just tiny notches and getting it better. So we met at Rent. I love Rent. And I learned a lot about Jonathan Larson through, through Rent. But drumming for that show, I didn't know much about Rent going into it. In fact, I had never even watched the movie or heard the soundtrack. Uh, and they were like, we need a drummer. And I said, I think I can drum for this. And uh, at the time was above my skill level. I was, a, I would say, at a high school level drummer and they were like hey here's this uh theater cast of rent music and i'm like oh, that should be fine and i started going through it and i had like a couple weeks and i was stressed but i did it and i i learned a lot about drumming <laughs> through doing rent and i learned a lot about jonathan larson and his storytelling and i had watched tick tick boom on netflix and they had auditions for tick tick boom at evansville civic theater and it's a story of a composer jonathan larson who makes musicals and by the way tick tick boom was made before rent by jonathan larson the guy who made rent and it's a self-written about himself musical and if you haven't seen it you need to see it and i auditioned for it because it was about a writer who plays piano is going through a little bit of existential dread and running it feeling like he's running out of time and if you've listened to any of my music you understand that i'm talking about i'm running out of time i'm so worried to have a song called time i'm just you know, it's all introspective and worrisome. And I, I, I got the part of Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom. And I spent a couple months just diving into his world. And it's made me appreciate him and all of his writing so much more. And the work he's done for so many causes. I just love Jonathan Larson. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Uh, it's extremely tragic and sad. But his death really 
solidified that everybody was throwing 100% into that Broadway opening uh, with Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, I think I don't think it ever made Broadway. I think it made off-Broadway, and they yeah. had a few, you know, kind of trial runs, but it wasn't, it wasn't it. But that kind of creative mentality of, okay, this next one, how are we going to make it bigger, better? It wouldn't have been what it is without those lessons that you learned. And I'm sure the lessons that you've learned all throughout, you know, musical productions, whether you're backstage in the band or upstage on past two albums, all the music you've made in your spare time, all of those little dominoes add up. What is the upside the title going to be called? The title of the album is Even the Shower Cries. Where do you think releasing it will take you for the next album, for the next song that you write? Or how long will you focus on just promoting this one? See, this is a problem I've dealt with very, very, very hard as a creative. The idea of what is success? What is success for your art? And and like art is a, is a thing where... This, this applies to any art. You can't control the reception to your art. I mean, you can, you can put as much work as you want into the marketing. And sure, it's your fault if you didn't market it to anyone. If I released this album and didn't tell anybody about it, didn't post it anywhere, didn't pay anything for advertisements, if I put nothing into this album, nobody but the occasional couple people who click on my Spotify profile would ever find it. And some of them would talk about it, but it wouldn't get anywhere without marketing and really putting the business side behind art behind it, um, which is something that I think maybe the average consumer of music doesn't realize uh, how much goes into the marketing and business side of music. Uh, because someone can be worse at making music and better at marketing and have so many more listens and be so much more successful. It, you'll notice that in music, it's not just the people who are the best musicians that become the most popular. The, the best musician that ever lived is probably some opera singer you don't know. Like the best singer that ever lived. Like we have some amazing singers who made it in contemporary pop music, but I mean, it's not necessarily going to deem you to be the most successful. And I don't think I'm the best singer, but I've learned a lot about marketing and I think I have something that can connect with people and I'm going to put a lot of work into marketing it. You're asking how long I have like a plan like I've I've gone like super far down the business side of things, which I don't really want to go too far into. But basically, I'm going to release a couple singles through May. And then June is promotion every day on everything. And then into July, I'm going to be promoting it every day. I have several music videos that are that are planned that I'm going to sporadically release over time. I have like a hundred day plan, basically, where I have exactly what videos I'm going to post every day and what advertisements where. And it's just the stuff you got to do if you want to treat it like a job and uh, really, really get it off the ground and show your art to people. And I can't, and the thing that I was talking about that I can't grapple with, that's very hard for me to understand now as pre-release, because I've never done this much work before. Uh, I've just posted it on my Facebook. That's as far as I've gone. So now that I'm doing all this work, I have no clue what the reception is going to be. Number wise, I can tell you exactly how much I'm expecting based off of the uh, marketing money I'm spending on it. But that's just like, I, I don't know past that. If people are going to like it, if they might share it. I don't know. That's stuff that's completely out of my hands with my art. So I just got to let it go. It's, a, it's, a, one of the, it's the hardest part. It is by far the hardest part of any, any creative field. You have to have customers and you have to have people wanting to come back again and again. Yeah. Taylor Swift, I think, started out on MySpace. <laughs> yeah which was i mean 
that means I should try MySpace. <laughs> like, I don't have a plan for MySpace. What the heck? I'm behind. Well, call call oh, your no. friend Tom. He'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah. He'll get everything okay, taken care I'll, of. I'll, I'll kinda, I got <laughs> Yeah, no, MySpace is, a, is not something I'm planning, which I definitely should get into. <laughs> Basically, my goal with this album is to, to gain as much of an online following as I can to prove my streaming numbers in a city so that I can perform in that city. Um, so if, if you live in a city and you want me to go there, just stream the freak out of my music. That's all I can ask because I will go wherever the most streaming numbers are. And you said you're very, very passionate about the lyrics. Where did that writing come from? What do you remember those kind of those early memories of really feeling that cathartic release while you wrote? I do. Uh, I, at some level written music since I was like 10 or 12, I, it was kind of cringy. I would like listen to rap songs and then try to see if I could move my mouth fast enough to sing the whole rap songs. And I'd memorize all the words and then I'd try to write my own raps and that wouldn't go well. Um, you can, you can probably notice in some of my music that it's kind of sung rap because I didn't want to just do rap. I don't like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a massive fan of just like, I don't like my voice trying to rap. Uh, I like my voice trying to sing and sing fast and say a lot and you can say a lot more if you sing fast in rap, so you can cram a lot more lyrics in. But I have a question for you. So if, whenever you listen to a song for the first time, do you listen first to the music or to the lyrics? Or do you listen to the whole song? Just You just get it the first time. So for me personally, I think, uh, I don't know if we ever had this conversation about my brain and how it kind of interprets stuff. Um, I don't have any kind of synesthesia, um, so I, I don't have any images or references. So when mm -hmm. I listen to a song for the first time, if it's going to catch my ear, it has to do it subconsciously. Once it subconsciously got into it, then I'm going to go in and listen to the lyrics over and over and over again, because I hopefully you pick up on singing them. I guess to answer your question, it has to be a good mi mixture of lyrics and music. Mm -hmm. I have to have them both. And it has to be something so out of my realm that I've never listened to before that kind of gets that earworm where I want to hear it again and just kind of understand what I've done. Or it has yeah. to feel like an old classic, like I've grown up with the song, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's Or is it one or the other for you? For me, it's it's lyrics. The first time I hear it, it's hard to grasp everything they're saying in the lyrics. It's kind of funny. you know. I listen to it and I hear lyrics predominantly. I'm sure the listeners have their own like one that they do. A, a lot of people that I've heard listen to the music or the whole composition. A lot of people don't listen to the lyrics right away. And for me, I just, it's always lyrics. I, I'm listening to all the words that they're saying. And then I listen to it like five times and I'm still thinking about the words that they're saying. And, and, and until I've grasped exactly what they're saying, that's when I can listen to the whole thing. I, 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 it's so weird for me. I like try to understand what they mean. And then I can finally just listen to the whole thing as like a song. Do you prefer songs that are spoken in metaphor or more direct language? I absolutely hate songs that directly reference things. Like if someone, if someone goes like, I have my ice mountain water bottle. It's like, I hate it. I, it's like these TikTok songs. There's so many TikTok songs that, that directly reference a moment in time. And they go, uh, and it's, it happens a lot in indie music. And trust me, I do it some, and I've done it before on my music. 
But I've been trying to shift away from that because I think any music where you're directly referencing like a thing or like an object or something that is dated, like if you talk about your iPhone 4 or a PS4 or a PS5, or you talk, you talk about an object, it automatically dates your song. Um, and if you listen to any of the good music that you like from the past, like if you listen to Don't Stop Believin' Or uh, think about Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody is widely renowned as maybe the best song ever made or one of the best songs ever made. And it, at this point, it's almost 50 years old, given give or take five or 10 years. Uh, it's almost 50 years old. And when you listen to that song, they never talk about their tape recorder or their... I mean, it's cool to talk about maybe an old car, but like if you're... It, it's all abstract, Something that it, it's a feeling. If they can convey their feelings, then in the future it'll it'll last forever. But if you make it too specific, it'll flash at the time it comes out. But then in five years, no one's going to care about your music. I want longevity, so I want to be. I, I want to convey an emotion that can be conveyed fifty years later. I would think too that the the more metaphorical you can be, also the more personal it can be for the listener because they can then put themselves in a situation where it's similar enough that they they feel that um, that mood or emotion even if it's not the direct one that the artist was writing for yeah i've i've changed songs on this album to be less specific and more metaphor driven so that they can be more relatable how many songs have you lost where you didn't write it down fast enough and you're never getting that phrasing, that chord. You're never getting it, whatever it is back. It's just lost into the ether. I lost a couple that I've made up at different points in my life. There was one that I lost that I can't even tell you any words from. But when I lost it, I basically made a vow to myself that I will never hum again without my voice recorder or my video going. So every time that I'm riffing and trying to figure out a melody, I have have so many videos and audio files on my phone that are unlabeled that are just cluttering up. I have probably 10,000 freaking things in my phone that are just songs and files and just like ideas and basic ideas and i do it a lot on snapchat too so i get so many memories of like an idea i had three years ago so and just today i was like i got a memory from three years ago where i was walking along humming and they had one lyric idea i was like that's pretty good maybe i need to go back and no that's that's smart because it's coming back to you or you're not having to go yeah. and search for it uh because once it goes into those unlabeled mess i appreciate the fact that past me put it down in in some form but it's it, it, for all intents and purposes in my in my household, it's gone. It's lost. And I've heard uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon would write lyrics and they said that they didn't have like a a good uh, to go tape recorder or anything. It cost a lot of money. They didn't have any. So they decided that any song that they could remember the next day was worth keeping. And any song that they couldn't remember the words to was just like worth leaving because if you can't remember the words to it the next day it's like probably not a good song and that's i think partially why beatles music is so iconic and so memorable yeah that, that makes sense i just finished the audio book from dave roll and oh my god i love him he's uh he's really good friends with the guitarist from the beatles yes um 
what what's his name? Uh, is that McC- John? No, not 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 John Lennon. The other one. I can name all of them, but the guitarist. I have okay. Let's let's sit down with this. Okay, I have Paul McCartney, John Paul Lennon, McC- Ringo. Okay, he's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, you think of Paul McCartney? I yeah, assumed okay. you were thinking of. No, uh, it's, it's Paul, Ringo, John, <laughs> and then the other one. <laughs> and then the other one. <laughs> um, uh, not looking up Beatles members right now on my of computer. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> we're going to feel stupid. George Harrison. George okay, Harrison. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody I watched Get Back, Harrison. and that was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. I George love, Harrison I always George. reminds me of Pawn Stars. What? What? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Uh, I think I think they have a very similar last name. <laughs> Harrison. <laughs> it's so irrelevant to me. I don't even. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know what the Paul McCartney is going to bring in today. <laughs> But Dave Grohl was talking about being a big um, Paul McCartney fan and just studying him. Yeah. Do you you have artists that you have gone to for inspiration, whether it's lyrics, whether it's playing style or just as a career in whole? Yeah. I mean, it's just all of the music that I love. I, uh, I just have so much music that I love. I have my playlists are just packed with different artists and artists I grew up with. I think my taste is very much influenced by like early the pop in like 2008, 2009, 2010. Anything from like fun, some nights I stay up, like the fun to like um, Jason Mraz, I'm yours, to Eminem's early um, music, to Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish. I listen to her all the time. I think she has some of the best lyrics in the music game i listen to 21 pilots like crazy um and i think they have the best live show you can you can literally have i suggest anyone go to a 21 pilots live show i don't know it's it's so spread out that it it's like a thing over here i'm like loving a thing over here i'm loving a thing over here it's not it's not all in one place i don't think but it's just all any alternative music really coldplay anyone now are you listening to music in chunks where it's the same thing same same band or same genre over and over and over on repeat until you get tired of it and then switch or do you do a lot of switching throughout you know the day-to-day and playlist to playlist when i go to start writing an album i'll i'll make a massive playlist with a bunch of songs that i want to fit like a mood board and i'll say okay what songs feel like the mood of the album that i want to have and i'll put it all in a massive playlist and then I'll just listen to it over and over. And then I stop listening to all music written by anybody else for about two weeks. And then I just write my own music and I just play. I I play it all myself and I write it because I'm so I, I don't want to like subconsciously take anything from anybody else. So I try to just write without listening to anybody else's music. And then as I develop songs, I have more songs to listen to. So it's like once I write a song, I have one song to listen to. Once I write two songs, I have two songs to listen to. And then I'll get to the point where I have like 15 or 20 and I'll just listen to those songs over and over. And I listen to these songs over and over forever. And anything I hear with those songs that sounds a little bit weird, I'll fix it or take it out. And right when I get home after school or whatever, I'll go on a lot of long walks and just listen to the music over and over. 
I have more streams on this album than I think anybody ever will. I, I've just listened to this so many times for the past year. Some of the songs are a year old at this point for me. I have just written and really tried to perfect these songs. And the whole album is that way. Some of them are more recent. Some of them are a little bit farther past. But this is like the best album I can write right now. And it's just been through iteration. And all I listen to is my own music until I've pretty much finished this album. And now I'm listening to other stuff and thinking about the future. Do you ever get to a point where you're overanalyzing it and you're over perfecting it? What point do you have where you just say, okay, the song is officially done. I have to move on to the next one. I've done a good job. See, there's there's like lines you have to hit in the sand. So like the day that we went to record drums, I was only going to be in the recording studio for two days. That was my only time to record drums. So I can't like go back and do drums. So I made the deal with myself. I have to have everything but the drums and piano done by that day. So it's like I set hard cutoffs for myself. And then once you send it to get mixed and mastered, you can't like like backtrack and then go get it mixed and mastered again. Like it costs so much money that I'm just like, I, I have these deadlines that help me do that. Uh, but these are self-inflicted deadlines. So it's hard to do that. Sometimes it's like, oh, let's push it off two weeks. But I very much try not to do that because I really want this out and I really want to um, give it give it its time to shine. And if I want to write other music, I'll just write that in the future. But right now I need to get this out. How different are your first drafts from the final mix product? Usually structurally almost exactly the same, if not the same, depending on the song. There's maybe one or two songs that were like completely different that I wrote a completely different way for the album. But almost all of them, there's some instruments that I wrote on the rough mix that are still on the ending. But if you listen to them, they sound like trash, like horrible. They sound so bad because I'm just writing it so fast. I'm like, I just need to get the lyrics down. So I just like write it. I sing it really fast on this and I record it from the other side of the room and I just do it really quick because I just want to get that pure idea out as fast as possible. But yeah, no, I, uh, I, it's, it's so different. The the beginning to the end product. Uh, it, it looks like so different. I heard John Mayer say that being a a musician is like being in the world's dirtiest five-star kitchen. You know, you're back there cooking up like something and it looks so bad and you're like pushing away dirt to like put something in here and then you stick it through the counter and it's just like this perfect plate. You're like, and then everyone, all everyone sees is this perfect plate. But like here you were messing with the worst stuff in the world. Like it sounds so bad until it sounds good. You got to take away all the stuff that sounds bad until it's just the stuff that sounds good. How good are you at this point at self-editing during the creation process to save you production time i'd say for every project i have it figured out at the end so my last three songs of this 25 were written perfectly and easily and very efficiently and the first five took me so long and really sucked and because i didn't know the mood if you know like i I knew that I needed like a final song on the album. So like I like near the end, I knew what the album sounded like and I knew what I wanted the final song to be like. I wanted everyone to jump up and down and be able to sing it. Like I knew what I wanted uh, and I could write that. But when, when you don't have anything for the album, you're just in nothingness. Writing the first song is really hard because I just don't know what the album's going to be. So many options. So many options. It's choice paralysis. It's just hard. With everything that you've kind of, I mean, clearly you have put a lot of thought 
dedication time um, planning into this. Do you see this music as, you know, venues like Sage 2321 uh, in that kind of 200, 300 range? Do you see this as more of a, you know, kind of a large, larger area or stadium rock even? If I could choose my audience, I think, see, well, like right now, I don't deserve to be in a 250 cap room. I'm not at that level yet, but I will be. Um, And hopefully after this album, I will be. But uh, right now, like if you're talking uh, like literally physically, how many tickets could I sell in another city? It's probably like bar sized. I mean, we're looking at like 25, 50 tickets, maybe if I promoted it and marketed it. But if we're saying like what room I would love to perform in, my music is perfect for a 500 cap standing room only venue where people are crammed in and want to just have a good time jumping up and down. I think my music wouldn't connect as well uh, like at a stadium level. Um, I mean, the pit would have fun, but the people in the back of the room wouldn't. I mean, sure, they could just watch, but I, I like the types of rooms where it's just a bunch of people jumping up and down and enjoying a show. You want that intimacy. Yeah, you can also mess with them. I mean, you can go out into a crowd. In a stadium, is, you get lost. Like, I don't know. I, there's a lot of things I want to do to the crowd and with the crowd and just have fun with them that like I'm just so hyped to do and that I don't think I could do in a stadium. And you see people run around to the back where they have a thing that lifts them up or something. I, I just want to be in a small room where I can make people jump up and down. I, what, I keep saying that, but that's I'm just I've never done like a big live show like this. And I just can't wait to see everyone do that. Like, I can't wait to jump in. Have with everyone with singing me. your words back to you. Well, I don't know if it'll happen. They have two weeks to learn them. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see if they can. I'll try to get my friends. I'll say, guys, please learn a lyric or two so I can have this moment. I really appreciate it. Have you ever had a, a performance where you're performing one of your own songs and someone in the crowd knew it? I haven't done a lot of live performances. In fact, this is going to be like my first official live performance. I've done some like open mics and some some small stuff, but I've never done like a show, like and really made it a show. So this is that's what something that's so special about this performance is that and also why I have to spend all these months working on the show and practicing because I want it to look like it's my hundredth show, but right. it's just my first. And I think that's to me, I'd be really excited to watch that because I'm like, is he going to mess it all up? <laughs> like, because I might. I mean, we don't know. It just you just have to go. Th- that's I mean, where I good know. editing comes in. <laughs> yeah, but you can't fool the 250 in the room, though. They're they're gonna. <laughs> but the 250,000 so... <laughs> on, on YouTube, you got them in the palm of your hand. I do, I do. Ha ha. You you get to only so if the the only way that you could know is if you go. Just saying. Now, do you think being, you know, the leading star in Tick, Tick, Boom and other productions that you've been in has put you in the position to know how to read the audience, fill the room out? And do you think those lessons that you've learned in musical theater will translate to a live show and just. I think there's a lot that will translate. And I think uh, doing those shows is part of why I've wanted to make it so theatric why I say I want it to be a show and not just a gig. Like I want it to be an experience for people. I don't want it to just be a, a night where I go up there and plug into an amplifier and sing. I want there to be a thing for you to watch. I want you to earn, I want to earn whatever money you spent coming. 
I don't think you can earn it by just playing it. I mean, you can if you're a great performing group, but I I really want to lean on it being cool to watch. And I think, yeah, theater is my, my, my history in theater is definitely, it's been an inspiration and it's also, I think going to be a, a clear help just being on stage and performing in front of people. It's good practice regardless, but yes, I, I, I think so. Two piece band, three piece band, four piece band. I think two piece band, especially on a small stage like that. I want it. I want to have to earn it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of like pre recorded background tracks that are going to go, and I'm going to play as much as I can. And the and it's like me and a drummer, and it's just going to be like I want to within that constraint make it as interesting as I can. Um, I think there's something beautiful about that. I could try to get a bass guitarist to play the bass parts and I could try to get like a guitarist, which I don't have much guitar. So I could get like someone to play another synth part. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd like to really try to try to earn the show and jump around and have space on the stage uh, to do, to do everything. I have some advice that I've learned recently. I think could help anyone going into an artistic pursuit that wants to to think about the marketing side of it and doesn't want to think of it as work. So my advice would be tell a story. The only reason almost anybody ever cares about art is about the story. The best photographs ever taken is the story. It's the best music you've ever listened to. There's a story behind it. And whenever you show your friend your piece of art and you go, dude, you're not going to believe this, this and this and this, the thing you would tell your friend, just tell that to the world. If you can do that effectively, the whole world cares because everyone cares about a story. If you could somehow just convey it like you can convey it to your friend, oh boy, you're coming. Like the world is, world better watch out because you have something to say. And that would be my advice. It helped, it's, it's helped me a lot in thinking about how to prepare this, this project. You have to get people to care about what you're doing and storytelling, creating those emotional connections, writing a song mm-hmm. to where you're like, is this guy falling in love with every single person he meets <laughs> <laughs> oh, to becoming, Oh, he is, but he's also falling in love with himself a little bit at the same time and trying to learn how to be empathetic towards himself because that's the person you have to love. You have to love yourself. You have to love what you are doing. I think it really comes through with, you know, your first two albums, but really these, these two songs that are going to be singles. There is someone who cares about what he is doing and you can feel that in there. I think, I think you're on the right track for getting that, that emotional connection. We'll see here in not too many weeks for when the album drops. There's in the middle of May, the first single, end of May, second single, and then nothing until June 16th, which is the album release. And then album release show on June 30th. It's, uh, and I have a music video set for every one of those singles. So it's going to be, you're going to get treated. I have a lot of good stuff I'm working on for these singles. And, you know, Maddie, you were talking about Maddie from uh, one of your favorite podcasts. And Maddie is in one of my music videos for the song Alone she's uh cheating on me <laughs> you have to see it i i she uh she cheats on me she cheats on me with this dude and then i 
get really mad. So I see a piano uh, that was our piano and we were playing our song on it. And then I burn it. I catch it on fire. I play it while it's on fire. I burn it. Yeah, I, I gave you I Wish I Could Love You because it's one of the singles. And I've, I, I think of that as the first. It's the opening song. Uh, it, it starts before I come out on stage for the live show. And it's also the start of the album. You probably heard it go, and you're like, oh, is this like a synth song? Is this like Super Tron or like Daft Punk? I'm like, what is, what is this song? Most of the other songs aren't like that song, but I wanted a song that would start heavy so that the audience would know that I'm not messing around. And I wanted them to know that I can rap sing and that I can sing. So it, if you notice, it starts like really aggressive. Nobody's on stage. That's what I'm imagining. And then the drummer comes out for this big instrumental break alone. And then he just like starts hammering away at the drums. And then I don't come out until after that instrumental break. So to me, it's like a perfect introduction. I go right into a rap. So, and I get everyone to start clapping. I go right into a rap. And then right after that, I start singing. It's like, oh, he can sing and play piano and he can rap. Okay. That's what we're in for, for the show. That's what I wanted for that song. Just catch everybody's attention right away. Get get everyone involved. It's like, we're doing something. We're not just messing around. And that's what that song is. I wanted to give it to you because I thought it was a good introduction to the album and because it's one of the singles. I can't wait for you to hear it. I do everything in this album, but like country music and Viking death chants. I don't know. Well, there's a song. <laughs> like We won't fall apart again. It's kind of like uh, ship music for pirates. I don't know. I, I this this song this album has a lot on it, and I I went a lot of places, and I wanted to just have have a very various. This is why it's alternative music. I think alternative music is just what they call things that they don't know how to call them. Like uh, so that's that's where I'm at. Alternative pop, sung rap, rock. Uh, it, it's in there. It's in there somewhere. Whatever that is. So as of this very moment, the recording is officially done. There's nothing yes, else you're doing to it. I'm currently working on all of the promotional videos and uh, music videos and stuff right now. Yeah. Would you classify this as being a success without anything further? Yeah. If I stopped right now, yeah, it's, it's um, without a doubt the best piece of art I've ever made. There's going to be a whole album cycle for this. It's going to probably be over a year, but like this music is not going to be the only music I make at this level and just stay tuned. I mean, there is more going to come there's like goals I have for the music. I would like to have live strings on a song, like like really played by like a couple violinists and a cello player and a big bass player. Like, I don't know if I'll hit that on my next album, but I'd love to do that. I mean, I love that I got the live drums and the grand piano on this album. I'd like to do that again. I'm getting better at songwriting though. So I I can already see all the ways that I'm going to improve for the next album. My goal for this album was to be uh, comparable to other indie artists. I'd like to hit that or be comparable to people on labels. Like I think be comparable to mainstream artists. Now, not mainstream pop artists. I don't want my music to sound like mainstream pop because it's just a different genre of music. Uh, But I would like it to sound as professional as I literally can. There will be another step up, but there's this like uh, price curve as things get a little bit better, they get way more expensive. So like the difference between not having a live orchestra play your music and having a live orchestra play your music is like tens of thousands of dollars. Maybe that won't happen yet, but we'll see. Um, We'll see what I can try to work on and do. Uh, It's all within constraints. 
I, I very successfully played the bassoon all throughout middle school. So <laughs> you're if, hired. If, you're if hired. If you need a bassoonist. We gotta we gotta find one a decimal at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Do you enjoy the process of making an album by yourself? I I don't want to do it any other way. I don't want to do it any other way. I don't like working with other people. I just want to write it. I just I I have trouble writing with another person. Not not because they're like it's not it doesn't have anything to do with their creative input being a problem to me. Frankly, I want the best idea. I want the best song to come out regardless. Okay, I guess we could, we'll, we'll kind of kind of wrap up here soon. If yeah. you could speak to a younger version of yourself or someone who is interested in music, why should they just do it? Why should they just put pen to paper and create songs for themselves? I think music is a net positive. You could make the worst music that's ever been made and it would still be a net positive in the world. If you want to make good music, you have to make bad music to make good music. You have to drain you have to drain the dirt out of the pipes to to get something good. You have to just clear all that dirt out and then you'll have fresh running water. I'll, I said that about like my music. It's like I had all these songs and they were bad, bad, bad. And then the last ton of them were great. Like you just got to get that dirty water out of the pipes and write something. And I don't, I don't think anyone should be a musician who doesn't want to be a musician. It's really hard and it costs a lot of money. But you can do it for fairly cheap in your room with fairly free materials. You could get a $30 microphone and a cheap dig- digital audio workstation DAW. And you could have music that goes semi-popular popular. There's, I mean, pretty sure Steve Lacey, the guy who wrote Bad Habit, that song is my bad habit. That song on TikTok, it's pretty popular. It's also on the pop charts. He made that on GarageBand, I think. I think I've heard that. And that's just like a phone application or it's like on any Apple computer. I plead you to make the art that you want to make, even if you hate it, because you're gonna. And at some point you won't. And you can only like your art once you've made the art that you hate. So do that. You don't have to release it. Just just make it, please. That's all I ask. Because otherwise you'll regret it forever. I could have done that, but you can't. I mean, you didn't. So just do it. You want to be able to say you did. So I can't wait to hear your music, whoever you are that's listening to this, who really wants to make it and is now going to. Let's pretend that we uh, we drift into the future and we're looking 10, 20 years to future rush. Yeah, What do you say to yourself? All of the day-to-day memories of planning and, and all that is is a mere to linger. I'm going to say, hey, Rush. I know you're 42 now, but I just want to say, I don't know if you were successful in music, but because I'm talking right now, okay, don't interrupt me, Rush. Stop. Okay. I know you like talking, but I do too, but I'm younger me, so I can control it as well. Okay. I'm 40. Okay. Okay. Stop talking. Okay. Yes. Don't forget how much this sucked. <laughs> don't, don't forget it because right now I'm, I'm a full-time college student and I'm also working a full-time job. And on top of that, I'm making all this music stuff. I'm working like 80 hour weeks. So I would say future rush. Just remember this sucked really bad and you can't do it again. So don't try to do it. Enjoy it in your 20s. Try to push through. But your mental health literally can't stand it for much longer. So please don't try it again. But just be happy for wherever you ended up because you put in the work. That's my lecture to 42 year old me to be freaking humble. 
new album coming out here soon. I'm super excited to hear it. I'm super excited for everybody else to hear it. There's going to be how many songs? Ten. Where can people find all of your stuff? What are your socials? What's your Instagram? What's your TikTok? What's your Facebook? It's all under Rush Slocum. Uh, but I suggest if, you, if you're going to search it somewhere, just search it on Google. Just search R-U-S-H-S-L-O-C-U-M. And you should be able, it should be linked to my TikTok, my Facebook, my uh, YouTube. I, I suggest, I, I update TikTok and YouTube the most. So if you're going to go anywhere there, and I also have an Instagram, which I will be keeping updated. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, just find me, Rush Slocum. It has been so fun. I cannot wait to hear it. I cannot wait to see the music videos. I cannot wait to text Jaden here in a minute and, and, and try to get all the tea on the background. <laughs> when can people see you live? Stage two, Evansville, Indiana, June 30th. June 30th, stage two. I will, if you follow me, follow me on my socials. I have not uh, released tickets for it yet, but it will be blasted and promoted everywhere so if you just follow me on a social you will know so just follow me and you'll find out i'll have you know so thank you for creating this album i cannot wait to hear the other eight songs Uh, i'm gonna go listen to these two on repeat and enjoy yourself enjoy the struggle enjoy the hours and hours and hours spent at your desk planning this out i appreciate it peace thanks sir have a good night thank you very much peace out